Hello and welcome to the Rope Access and Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Mikey Stevenson. And today we're going to be talking to the founder of Women in Rope Access, Leslie Polson. So I guess uh, let's get started with, um, let's talk about who you are, where you come from, um, and introduce yourself, please. All right. Um, my name's Leslie Polson and I live in the coast mountains of British Columbia, Canada, in a little town with 60 people in the middle of nowhere. Um, but clearly not from Canada. I come from New Zealand originally. All right. How long have you been in Canada? Uh, be almost 10 years. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I guess how long have you been doing rope access? Um, 13. So almost seven years uh, in rope access. Seven years. Yeah. How long is level three? I just did my first research, so just over three years. Awesome. Where were you able to do your research? I did it in um, Vancouver at Pacific Ropes yeah. right before everything got shut down. I think I might have been the second or third to last course before it all turned to shit. <laughs> yeah. This uh, COVID uh, pandemic is definitely causing some issues for everybody to train and work. And yeah, it's quite the interesting situation. For sure. Yeah. Now, you are also the founder and operator of Women in Rope Access, correct? You cut out a little bit there, but yes, I started the, <laughs> the founder in of Women in Rope <laughs> yeah, Access. Okay, yeah. yeah. When did you start uh, Women in Rope Access, and why did you start um, that? I guess page. Mm hmm. Um, I started that in mid-2015. I was a pretty brand new level two when I did it, so I caught a lot of flack for that. But um, what I think people maybe don't realize is I didn't start it to like start a movement or be any sort of leader of anything. I was um, on my two weeks off on a two-on-two-off rotation, and it was just rainy. It was boring. There was nothing to do because it was so wet. And off the back end of a comment from a boss a couple of weeks earlier, I was just curious as to where all the rest of the women were that did this in the world. Like at that point in time, I only knew a handful of women that did rope access. Um, so I wanted to know, were those numbers pretty normal across the globe? Um, were they more, were they less? What do they do? Do they do oil and gas? Was it mostly city work? Did a bunch do geotech? I don't, you know, just curious. That's all it was. Um, and it kind of grew from me thinking, oh, a couple of people like pity like it, you know, and might get shared a couple of times and then I'll go back to work and it'll all be over. Or, uh, but then it sort of went far beyond that. And now it's um, quite a lot larger than I ever thought it would be. And um, yeah, it's, it's not, the, the original page was the public Facebook page that you will know that you will have seen on Facebook. Um, there's also an Instagram account that came later and beyond that, there is actually a private group that you may not know about that's just for the female rope access technicians. No one else is allowed to be a part of that group. And that's the platform that I am most sort of proud of and that I, I like using the most because you know what these Facebook pages are like for rope access. It's a, it's a dog eat dog world. Like it's pretty brutal out there. You can't post a photo or an opinion or a make any sort of comment without somebody, you know, coming at you. So yeah, everyone uh, has an opinion. They just want to rip everything apart. It's exactly it's, um, 
very disheartening. Um, and part of my podcast is trying to like nip into the, some of these uh, flaws uh, within the industry. For sure. And um, yeah, and it can just be really unprofessional as well. So um, a lot of people like men and women don't want to be associated with these public pages, but with the women in rope access one included, like it's just another page, right? That just can potentially get nasty and unprofessional. So the private group is an amazing place where you, we can sort of feel a bit more safe about posting questions, you know, like the questions that start off, this is going to be a dumb question, but, and you know, stuff like that, just even just, um, yeah, I passed my level two or my level three or whatever today. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, it's a really safe place for doing that, posting photos, whatever, because everybody is so supportive in that group. It's it's just female rope techs there for each other, and it's it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So. I was just on a page there uh, yesterday or the day before, and just the amount of bickering back and forth between all these different technicians, and it was, it was really disheartening. I kind of made a joke. I was like, can we all just – you know, hug already and just get over this. Like, I know it's probably the worst thing to think about right now in this pandemic is hugging people, but it was like kind of like a little kick at them. I was like, why can't we just all get along? Like we're all in the same industry. Um, it made no sense. So I really find that that's disheartening that you had the same sort of kickback um, from an industry whole um when all you're trying to do is do some good and try to help out and try to get the conversation started trying to get the uh the outlook that you know women are in this industry um we don't have enough in in this industry um in my opinion and i would love to see so many more um and it's just really disheartening when you see that people are out there just to kind of like rip it apart people they mean well or they're they're just oh I'm, i was just joking you know calm down but like the jokes just fuel the the sexism that you do have to deal with sometimes not all the time so um yeah it's just nice to have that separation yeah and once one person starts then everybody starts it just mm. it just feeds the f- uh fuels the fire if you will yeah. um so yeah i can kind of see why you would want to have a private kind of conversation uh, excluding um, the rest of the world, right? Um, it's kind of good to have a safe, sp- uh, safe place to kind of talk about uh, different conversations. Um, you've been around me enough, you understand that uh, there's no stupid question. And I'm really open to that concept of like, there's no stupid question. Um, we're all here to learn. And we don't know what we don't know. Um, and, you know, in a teaching environment, uh, that's huge. Because if there's one individual in, the, in a class of you know, two or a, a class of eight people, um, it's really powerful because that one person may ask the question that other people are wondering, but are intimidated because of that factor, um, that it may be a stupid question. And it's, it's really good to see that people do stand up and ask that question. So totally. And I had instances on that public page, you know, when it was the only thing that we had at that time, where, you know, a woman would come on, and go like I desperately need to find a pair of work pants that work under a harness and of course people start chiming in oh of course they're talking about clothes you know (laughs) it's just like cut it out (laughs) yeah absolutely um you know female bodies are not built like uh, male bodies and majority I would say probably all uh rope access manufacturers sorry um manufacture harnesses based on the dimensions of a male body not a female body um, there may be one harness or two harnesses out there that you know of, I don't know, 
that are actually designed for the female body and like that would be amazing because you're not made like like females are not don't have the same curvatures as uh the males so as the males yes males <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah for sure. males are more like squares not curvatures Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't found the harness yet that's designed for women, but hey, when that happens, let me know. Cause... Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can start something. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, now, I understand you've written an article on this topic of women in rope access. Um, I feel that um, there's definitely two sides to a story. Um, and I'm sure that there's lots of people that kind of looked at it as like, oh, you're just like looking for a cry out or whatever. Um, and then there's other people that are a little bit more open-minded. They're like, hey, this is awesome. There's actually conversation about this. Um, so when you wrote this article, um, you had a perspective. You were a level two at that time. I don't know how many months into your level two at that time. Um, has your perspective changed since the, the article you wrote? not just as a level two and just because of the time difference between now and then, but also as a level three. Yeah. Um, I had forgotten that I had written that article. Um, I made the Facebook page and then somebody approached me and said, would you like to write an article? And I was like, Hey, why not? He was offering to pay me in gear. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> Who doesn't like gear? Honestly. Right. So I wrote it and he asked for something from a woman's perspective and Looking back and now reading it again, I wrote it like this is how all women get, you know, have, have an experience. And it was just so badly worded in that respect. Like that was my experience at the time. Um, and since then, I've met and spoken to people from all sorts of countries in the world, Nepal and South Africa and Malaysia, and they do not have the same experience we do. We are so lucky in, you know, Canada, New Zealand, first world countries. Um, compared to them they get they got a bite for their place and yeah so I do regret writing it like this is what women do and how we feel because it was just me um, <laughs> and yeah like you said the difference between level two brand new level two I think I'd only been level two for a couple of months like okay um, and at that time everything I wrote was true it was very um, I felt like if you just worked really hard harder than most maybe um, you got on with people and you didn't take shit from dirtbags, you'd get the respect you what you deserved and you'd get brought on jobs and everything was all good. Everything was golden. And that's how it was for me. Um, then got, I got my level three and I don't want it to sound all doom and gloom once you get your level three. Um, for the most part, it's amazing. Like 95% of the time I have absolutely no problem. But you know, there's always a couple of people that, um, maybe spoil it for the rest. Um, like I've had a, an instance where I was just getting attitude and no respect and from a certain guy and um, long story short, he was transferred to another crew because of it. And then a few, that level three, a male came to me and said like, this was just going through a major divorce with his wife. He hates all women right now. I really wouldn't take it personally. So, you know, there's things like that, that, it, that it's not okay. I mean, it's a sucky situation, yeah. crappy behavior, but there's nothing you can do about it. It just is what it is. And one day maybe we'll get past it, but at this point in time, that's what it is. And so I hadn't had those experience before as a level two. 
so now yeah my perspective has changed a little bit it's a bit more challenging um being in charge people fewer people want to be told what to do by a woman than just work alongside them so um yeah like i said 95 percent of the time absolutely fine but here or there there's a few bumps right mm. all right so that, that's good i guess just like anything um you are going to encounter you know hurdles along any career path um now on that um as a as a female a smaller female even not even you know a larger female but a smaller female um on that perspective of a level three and being in that position um do you find that you have to look at jobs differently because you did mention in the um the article that you know um some things you have to do work a little bit harder or make more mechanical advantage. Um, do you look at being a level three in the field the same way where you have to kind of look at things slightly different, like based on your crew, um, if you have a large individual um, on a job and how do you kind of overcome those um, difficulties? Yeah, um, definitely. Like just like in the training center where you've got to adapt, um, same as in the field. I mean, now everything you you aim to rig everything for lower or for rescue anyway so um it's pretty much not not all that difficult to to deviate for my size and capabilities or whatever um yeah like i've definitely had a a big crew on a shutdown i was i probably had like 15 guys and um one of them was over 400 pounds and they they said he was okay to work and he wasn't allowed to use a crawl um but i made the call that i didn't want to put him anywhere near a rope we needed ground people as well um because we didn't have a um there was no real option to rig for lower in that scenario um it was a very simple pick but it was a pick all the same so um you know, I made the call to not put him on rope. Um, and it was only a couple of days, so it wasn't that big of a deal, I don't think. But yeah, so it doesn't change it that often because, yeah, like I said, it's generally rig for lower. But if if there are significantly big people on the crew, then, yes, you got to look at it differently. But in saying that, there's not a lot that a little trick or a little bit of extra advantage, mechanical advantage, won't solve. Yeah. Um and that's like how I teach. Um, you've, you've been in, involved with me teaching. Um, and I teach um, like little people problems is what I call them. And yeah. it's, it's really one of those things. And I dealt with that and came up with that kind of throughout my training career. There was, you know, like when I have a individual going for their one to two or their two to three, that's a small uh, female. I've had literally people come up, like uh, ladies come up to me and just hand me back the paperwork, say I'm out of here. And I'm like, why you haven't even started yet we haven't even got through the paperwork yet um and they're just like everybody in this room is 250 plus pounds like how am i at 105 110 pounds going to even manage this and um that was one thing it was just understanding how you move and understanding your strengths and weaknesses and a um not being afraid to use the additional mechanical advantage and those additional little tricks um, because you don't have the strength or the power output that those big uh, burly people do. 
and that's just the nature of it and just having to work around those uh, complications like I'm not a big person myself either so I really focus on those aspects myself so awesome yeah um now do you still think that there's a gender gap in the industry of rope access outside of the just the difference between mass numbers I'm talking I'm talking do you think that you're treated or females in general are treated differently than males because of that like there is that gender gap or do you think that we're kind of leveling out in the industry that you know of that's um tricky yeah um i'd say there's definitely still a slight gap it's going to the gap size is going to differ depending on who you're dealing with obviously um yeah. a lot of the time no different i you know as a supervisor usually the only female supervisor on site um you know i get put on every different variety of jobs that everybody else does it doesn't switch or i don't get you know shoved in a corner doing one certain thing because that's the easiest or whatever um but then occasionally you'll get a go to a different site or work for a new boss that doesn't know you and that's definitely happened to me once for a period of a couple of months where you know there was most of the work going on was um welding and pipe fitting and um big big jobs moving around big heavy equipment and whatever and um they stuck me with the um rest of the females doing ut for a really long time when all the other supervisors were getting moved around and that did frustrate me and i spoke to my new boss who didn't know me and didn't know anything about me and we resolved it you know all it took was a conversation but yeah i definitely got pegged to go sit with the girls on the easy ut jobs which yeah it, it, it annoyed me and that's why i spoke to him and we got it sorted so it was fine that's good um have you worked with many other female level threes no um i did my initial level three with another female who was doing her initial irata three but reserting her sprat three and we were the only two going for our three so that was an awesome experience um that was hannah preston actually i don't know if i should be talking about her name she might not want that (laughs) but um she um she is a fantastic climber she owns her own um i think it's a guiding company or she teaches rock climbing or something along those lines so she's extremely knowledgeable and she had her sprat three already so she already knew uh, most of the syllabus and she was fantastic to do my three with um on the work front though the only level three woman i've ever actually worked with is anna kirkwood um, another one of those big projects where you know it's not very often you get to work with other level threes managing the same crew like you know generally you're kind of on your own but let alone another female so um, having anna in the same bin as me was amazing um we think the same we work the same you know we got on super well so i thoroughly enjoyed my time working with anna and she's been my cross shift days and nights you know a couple of times since then and, and we get on amazingly so that that's been my experience she's been awesome and i haven't really worked with a lot of threes other than that yeah any yeah i don't i trained lots of people and i don't know many level three females yeah i definitely know of a, a, quite a number now and i've worked with them when we were either both level twos or i was a level three and they were a level two or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah not concurrently level threes yeah mm-hmm. um if 
any ladies were interested in getting into rope access as a career, um, what would you like to tell them? What kind of advice would you pass along to them? Um, it doesn't really change between men and women, to be honest, but I do get this question a lot, you know, being the admin of that, that Facebook page and everything. Um, I generally point people in the direction of the group, to be honest. I'll tell them, go ask everybody and get like a well-rounded answer. But my specific advice would be, um, if you don't have your rope ticket yet and you don't have a skill or a trade, go and get one. Go and um, figure out what it is that's needed on rope and what you might enjoy and pursue it. Um, because once you get your rope access ticket, as probably a lot of us know, if you're just a climber, and then you try and, you know, get a welding apprenticeship or an electrical apprenticeship. It's really hard to get hours once you're already a rope tech working for a rope access company. And it's really hard to get hours in varied tasks. You know, maybe an electrician does a ton of heat trace, but nothing else, you know, on rope. So I would definitely get skilled up and then get your rope ticket or at least don't get your level three until you're really good at the job that you're going to do on your rope. Because once you're level three, you're in too high a demand. You, it's really hard to get experience in your ticket. Trust me. <laughs> level three. Yeah. Because you don't have a trade, correct? I don't have a trade. I do have a weld inspection ticket, but I didn't get it until after I did my level three. So it took over 18 months for me to be put on a job as a weld inspector and not a level three. Wow. So I've only just started getting experience in my ticket, even though I've had it for forever, you know, it's yeah. not forever, but you know, a, a while. So yeah. I'm definitely really behind the eight ball in terms of the weld inspection, which is frustrating, but it is what it is. That's why I'm recommending don't get your three until you're good at your job. Yeah. I, and like we're just having the trade prior to getting into rope access, it gives you that foot in the door. You're a little bit more uh, employable. Um, just as a, a rope access technician starting from one with no trade, um, there's a lot of level one. So it's very hard to find work um, as a regular technician, um, even though the jobs require those individuals, it's still very hard for individuals that are, just have their level one to get work here in Canada. Definitely. And especially in the environment that we're immersed in, in oil and gas, you generally, you need a trade ticket. And there are laborers out there, but you're going to find it hard to get flights and all that sort of thing if you don't have something backing you up. I mean, there's always window washing and all that, but if you want to go further than that, definitely look at upskilling. My second piece of advice would be stay a level two forever. <laughs> I'm not even going to deny that one. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I love being a level two. Um, I love being an instructor, but you can't be an instructor and an, uh, and a level two. <laughs> so it's kind of a catch 22 there for sure. Yeah. Like just being a rope access technician, um, with no trade in the oil and gas industry is extremely difficult. Um, and to get your foot in the door is even more difficult. Once you get in the door, you have that, uh, ability to prove yourself and show your worth, but, um, to get that callback from the companies is very very hard i know being involved in the hiring process um, of one of the largest rope access companies in the country being involved with that is like i kept pushing for more and more just rope techs but obviously i was always overlooked just because the work demands the tradespeople and they come first 
Now, outside of that, we, we have window washing, we have geo work, um, and so many different areas of uh, work that those technicians can uh, thrive extremely well. But then you're going to have to go up through level one, level two, and get your level three um, and become a valuable level three to get called into those oil and gas jobs because that that certification is required in the oil and gas industry if you don't have a trade. But to get work prior to that is very, very hard. Totally. And if you come into oil and gas as a level three that's only done window washing or only done blasting or whatever, you're still at a major disadvantage. You've still got a lot of months of learning before Absolutely. you're really competent, for sure. Yeah. And it's two totally different uh, areas of expertise. And unfortunately, you kind of get pigeonholed into one area. You're going to go oil and gas and get stuck doing oil and gas and for many many reasons right we're always looking for um to better our our lives and, and stuff and where you have that financial support and the oil and gas definitely does do that but it doesn't give you the um well-rounded expertise that you can get from working on geo work window washing bridge inspections so there's so many different areas there you can work to people who already have their their ticket and they're not necessarily asking advice the advice i would give them would be to go and do something else if you if it's viable for you go and try something else that's completely the opposite of what you're doing right now on rope because there's nothing more valuable than a, a level three that's got the wide range of experience on rope for sure yeah and myself included i have hard time um, picking up jobs that are not oil and gas. And it's interesting because you would expect that, okay, you're a level three, like you should be able to kind of work wherever, but then they're just like, oh, you're overqualified. Oh, we can't pay you what you want to make in the oil and gas. And I'm just like, but that's like, I'm reaching out to you, go work on wind turbines or wash windows. And they won't even res respond because they're like, we just can't pay you what you're worth. And it's like, but I, I'm I'm approaching you. You're not approaching me. So it's kind of like a little bit of a, a come see. Like, I understand the market. Like, I understand that wind turbine work cannot pay what one would get paid in the oil and gas. Like, you work in Fort McMurray and, you know, the amount of money that people make working in those, the, in that environment specifically is incredible. But, you know, I'm not asking to go work in Fort McMurray. I'm working, I'm asking to go work in on a wind turbine. Very different. Um, lastly here, before we get going, um, do you think that there should be more female instructors in rope access? If so, um, and not trying to be biased or anything, um, why do you think that ro women rope access instructors would be valuable? Um, I think there should be more women instructors for sure. Not for any particular reason specifically to instructing I don't think it's just the numbers are disgusting like I've got them here in front of me and for the difference between 2017 to 2020 in IRATA trained active female technicians like went from 1.8 percent of level ones were female in 2017 to two percent in 2020 for level twos 1.1 percent to 1.3 percent level threes 0.6% to 0.7%. Like these are ridiculously shitty numbers. And then for instructors, I never had data in 2017, but there are only eight IRADA instructors in the world. 
right now, but they make up 2.19% of the instructing population. So there's actually more instructors per capita email <laughs> than in any other level which blows my mind but it's still a yeah. crappy number don't get me wrong absolutely yeah so it'd be amazing to have more female instructors just to have more females in general but um i guess yeah from my experience having somebody that can relate to you in terms of your size your weight your build your capabilities being slightly different to that of like some 250 pound gym rat dude um, is really beneficial. I mean, you were my trainer for my level two and I went into that course not knowing if I was even capable, you know, mm. of picking, like, God, the guys on my course were ridiculously huge. It was stupid. Yeah. And um, I remember going in not knowing if I could even do it. They'll give us a crack and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And coming out the other end, like, what the hell was I worried about, right? Yeah. And that's because you weigh about as much as a feather as well. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were able to give... Hey, I'm, he I'm a big, big big boy here uh -huh, yeah sure come on <laughs> yeah so like you know you were able to give, give me that guidance that i needed to overcome the bullshit thought process as well as just the the physical um hurdles so you know going forward from that i i really valued that and i've heard other people have had experiences where they've had uh, a male trainer and it's just not been able to see it from that perspective because he has never had that issue you know himself like it's pretty easy to set up a counterbalance when you weigh the same as or more than the other guy but when you weigh half as much it yeah. becomes significantly more different so yes um, having somebody who can empathize and instantly guide you through everything you need to be guided through because they've had to deal with it themselves yeah so beneficial absolutely um yeah like you don't have the strength um i can now when you did your initial level three you had that other individual that was currently a sprat three going for conversion and then you had your research um now you've already been through the process so you already already kind of already have your little tricks and kind of um have your own way of you know doing the maneuvers but help that definitely helps out with just having someone that's relatable to and then can empathize on the fact that you don't have the same strength and like i've worked with a, lot, um, a couple of instructors um that just look at the smaller people and they're just like just pull harder just do it and i'm like but <laughs> i look at them and i'm just like but i can't do that myself they're like yeah you can i'm like no like that's just the the actual like that's the facts it's like we don't have the strength or the mass to you know compensate for that that situation i'd like it to be more of the mass side of it than the strength strength definitely comes into it but yeah like the perfect example is the basic pick from a crawl you know it's that's got nothing to do with strength ever None. for anybody right None. it's all about mass and so yeah just having those little couple of tips up your sleeve is really helpful um sorry <laughs> um yeah and like on this this last research my trainer was absolutely fantastic like he was amazing but there was a couple of things there like belly of the beast you know i came in and i was trying to do it too high because i you know he's like that'll make it easier for you coming out but for me with what i am it was easier for me to go way lower to begin with 
to get them out of it and then just drag them up that just worked for me yeah. and my size and what I was capable of so you know it's just those little things and that may not even be a male female thing that might just be a personal technique as well who knows absolutely um now you did mention you have the numbers between level one two and three um a couple you don't really have the numbers based on um instructors but do you think an intimidation factor kind of weighs into that that aspect going from like why there's a decrease in upgrades in the female um gender um i have been looking at these numbers for a while wondering the same thing there was actually a really interesting conversation on this exact topic um, a month or two ago in the private group. And what it came down to is, yes, there's potentially an intimidation factor. Like I said, coming into my level two, I was, you know, didn't know if I could do it, which sound now I feel ridiculous even saying that. But, you know, back then, it's, it's quite intimidating. Um, but also, the big point that was brought across in this discussion is that women get to a certain point in time and then they'll have a baby and unfortunately for the rope access career they often don't return to rope access after that not everybody obviously there's definitely women i know that have gone back to it but yeah. um oftentimes being in rope access involves travel and that just becomes too hard basket with the, the child you know so um we sort of maybe in the end put it down to potentially it being having a family um yeah but you know i really don't know it's like it's really quite sad those level three numbers yes yeah i, I was i was shocked myself that that was the the growth um percentage myself like it's disheartening really a few years i've seen so many more women on on sites like from where i began to where i am now like the number i felt like had increased a lot you know it's very rarely i go to a site now and there isn't other females yeah. but um you know that's rope access expanding like the 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 change isn't in females it's just in the the industry as a whole and you can see that in our pathetic growth numbers <laughs> so i really really hope that those start to um increase soon yeah absolutely and I think uh, conversations like this will really help out with um, with that, e even if it's just, um, you know, calming the minds um, of intimidation and being like, hey, like, it is totally fine and we can make it through. And it doesn't matter what your size is, um, as long as you have a, a, a good instructor to empathize with you, um, anything's possible. And not just saying that the in instructor is the, the key point to that, but it definitely helps out. For sure, it helps out for sure. And having a good um, support crew in the other women that you meet through this, as well as just your everyday crew, you know, yeah. everyone is, should always be helping each other regardless of who you are and what sex you are. So, yeah, I, I think it's um, it'd be really good to see some more women. <laughs> awesome. Um, now, would do you still have the Facebook page um, active and the Instagram page still active for people to start following? Yes, still active, totally. Um, definitely don't post as much as I should, but yes, still active. Awesome. And where would people be able to find you there? Oh, just type in women and rope access in either of those, and um, they should be the only accounts. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for your time, and it was a pleasure chatting with you and catching up. Yeah, you as well. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a great one. You too.
All right, well, that was a great conversation we had with Leslie Polson, the founder of Women in Wealth Access, giving her perspective on that subject. It's kind of an interesting conversation because really there aren't a lot of females in this industry, but I think through the conversations like this, we can get more. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast, please make sure to follow us. Also, don't forget to follow Women in Rope Access on both Instagram and Facebook. Till next time, see you later.